0: Welcome everyone to Investors Gallery. Um, so we're in the office that I built. The art gallery is on the other side of the of the wall. I might as well get used to saying it like that because I don't think I'm gonna ever move over there. But the reason why I created this space is to bring people like you into my world and our world. Uh, Randy, the, the speaker as well, so you guys can meet influential. Uh, investors uh, with a lot of money under management, a lot of skills, a lot of experience and different experts, different fund managers and people that you just would not normally have the opportunity to speak to. So thank you everyone. I have not yet counted how many podcast platforms we're on. I think it's 15 or something like that. So thank you everyone who's listening. Um, I just saw that somebody in Brussels and some people in wow. Russia are now, are now listening. So um, that's really cool, really interesting. Uh, my name is Presley, and I am half of uh, Dimensional Capital Partners here in Houston. We're a syndication and soon to be uh, technically a, a fund manager. We're launching a real estate fund, mm-hmm. and we like real estate stuff. So I have uh, who, who's now, I'm going to call him a good friend because he spoke at my, my panel at my first event. Randy, um, I'm not going to try to say your last name. I'll leave that that honor to you. Tell us uh, about yourself, who you are, and uh, what you're doing.
1: Well, Presley, thanks, first of all, for being on your, your show tonight. And I consider it a, I consider it a privilege to be a, considered a friend. Yes, our acquaintances has been fairly short, but uh, productive, and, I, and I've enjoyed it. So to the audience, uh, Randy Durfer, I live in Houston, Texas, as well, and I'm um, I'm, uh, I guess I'm all, wear a lot of hats like a lot of people. Um, today I, I'm, I'm employed. I have a full-time job and I'm in the medical center as an administrator for an academic, large academic medical center here uh, in the Houston area. I'm a dad of uh, four. I'm a husband, uh, and uh, I even got several grandchildren. My wife always says I never talk about the personal side, so I got to get that out there to make her happy. Uh, and, on, and on the business side, my passion is really these days, Presley, as you kind of know, is, is real estate, commercial real estate, and, and more specifically, the uh, multifamily space. I got my, I got my uh, feet wet uh, in about 2010 or so in the single family space. So I was a hard money lender with my brother-in-law at the time I lived in Cleveland, Ohio. And we were hard money lenders with a group out of South Florida putting deals together. And uh, we didn't pound nails and that stuff, but we gave them money. We purchased the asset. We had looked at the rehab, rehab budget. And we uh, uh, then went about and loaned them the money to make all the repairs. And that worked very well until I, I moved to Houston. And I just then got into multifamily and realized uh, at the time after attending one of the large national meetup groups or educational arms that um, this was the place for me. And so here I am today.
0: Um, What caused you to pivot from, um, from doing hard money to, to, to multifamily?
1: Yeah. So when I came to Houston, I came for business purposes and I uh, really got excited about the fourth largest Metro area in the U S you know, I figured there has to be a lot of opportunity for uh, doing what I was doing, which was hard money lending at the time. And what made me What made me uh, switch was I had down here for six months before my family moved down. Uh, you know, living in a small apartment, and I didn't have anything to do other than go to every meetup there was, uh, <laughs> and real estate session there was. So I literally went to every meetup you can think of or, or educational group. You know, in the greater Houston area, I drove all around town, got really interested in it, and it just I, I, the switch came for me when I attended the uh, a session and heard about uh, non-recourse debt. So, as you know, I can buy a multi-million dollar asset, and I can do it without any real of my own risk capital, other than what I've put into the deal. So, what that means to your listeners is that it's a non-recourse loan. So, in the in the very extreme event that everything were to go south, the bank or the lender would take back the asset, and I'd lose my investment. But they couldn't come after me personally uh, for my personal assets, my car, my home, uh, investment accounts, et cetera, et cetera. And so at my season of life, that was just huge to think that uh, that was a a real aha moment for me. And then the concept of syndication coming together for me and realizing that using uh, my money and other people's money to pull down deals much bigger than I could ever afford on my own. And it was uh, that, that aha moment that said, this is where I want to spend my time.
0: So when you switched over uh, into multifamily, did you pull the uh, original groups that you were working with um, from Florida to help, help syndicate or join in?
1: No, they were pretty specialized uh, and, and just, uh, they were the the rehabbers. Uh, they were not in a position to really get into to the syndication world. At that time but i made a lot of new friends that you know life lifestyle is unlimited here in houston and then i i was there for a short period of time and then i joined the sumrock group out of dallas for about three years and really boosted my education through them built a team uh, didn't do my first real syndication until late 2018 and uh today i'm in rod khalif's group as a as a coach and part of his mastermind as well so i've seen uh, a couple different big groups and there's something to be gained from each of them. A lot of, a lot of great networking.
0: You said a couple of big names there, sir.
1: <laughs> well, they're all, they're all good groups and there's, there's other ones out there too. I mean, for your listening audience, depending on what I, I talk to students in the East coast, you know, there's Michael Blanc over there and yeah. Jake and Gino around the East coast, Eastern side of the U S as well. So there, there's plenty of, there's a plenty full of opportunities for your listeners if they want to. And then, and, you know, the other side is, there's great podcasts and there's great, mm-hmm. like this one, uh, I, my wife, when we get in the car, <laughs> my wife asked me, can we please not listen to a real estate podcast? <laughs> Just because that means you're
0: uh, always feeding yourself though.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, for when you, when you enjoy it, it's not, it's like, yeah, there's always something to be learned. And mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. So I, I do, I listened to a lot of podcasts that, that weren't around when I first got started and there's meetups and there's podcasts like this it's just uh the the opportunities are plentiful if one wants to invest their time and energy to learn
0: yep it is you can you can learn probably 95 percent of what you need to learn from podcasts and youtube videos and books um not, Joe Fairless has done a really good, everybody has a lot of good content out there, David Lindall, like there's a lot yeah. of really great individuals, um, I started with Joe Ferris before I found <laughs> Lindall, though. Um, so you say you started your, your first deal was in 2018. Tell us about that. How did that go? Well,
1: my first GP deal was in 2018. So I came to Houston, I actually got I started in as a passive investor is, is the way I, I branched into multifamily. I wasn't ready to, I didn't have the confidence. And so I'm a, I'm a finance guy by day and by education. Um, my training is in uh, a CPA and MBA and that stuff. So I'm pretty risk adverse, as you'd say. So I, did, <laughs> I dip I dipped my toes in the in the passive investor world. And I said, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna invest the big money that some of these educational groups wanted to. I was kind of stubborn. So I said, I'm gonna learn at my own pace and find sponsors to go alongside with. So I started in 14 as a mm-hmm. passive investor and never really pulled the trigger as an active or a general partner until 18. And that was as a result of just um, hanging out at these meet, meetups and hang out hanging out with other like minded individuals and a uh, common interest, you know you you find people that you like and in same stage of life and same season of life and same uh, risk tolerances, and you partner up and put a bunch of money on the line, and you pray it all works
0: right. Did you get the returns that that the group targeted when in your first LP deal?
1: The first LP deal?
0: The first LP deal, yeah.
1: Oh, Preston, I, I, I can I can talk for another hour on this one, but the short answer is no. So this is this is one that I, I the real I'll give you the, the sixty second overview is we bought it in '14 with a sponsor I know liked and trusted, knew him very well. He was the asset was in Port Arthur, Texas, 250 doors, and uh, it was only about 70% occupied because it was going to be re, it had been rehabilitated by a, a developer. And so the business plan was simply just to lease it up to 90% and refinance it and live happily ever after and make our money. Mm -hmm. So 18 months into it, we refinanced it. We got the occupancy up and we refinanced. I got 60% of my money back in 18 months. And I was pumping my chest thinking I was a pretty smart guy. And then we had a fraud by the property manager. And then we had a flood, Hurricane Harvey.
0: Mm.
1: And then we had a fire where three kids died in the property, tragically, oh, wow. very tragically. Yeah. And then we sold it, uh, I think in late 19, just before the pandemic, just the start of the pandemic, in late 19, early 20, just before the pandemic started. Okay. And we got all of our capital back. So okay. I, I tell people I have never lost any money. Right. <laughs> You're
0: not lying. <laughs>
1: I'm not lying. And, and so I also tell people that my average returns as a passive investor over the last eight years is a, is average 160%. Mm. So that's with a zero in it too. Right. So that's at, a
0: lot considering that, that the first zero.
1: Yeah. Considering there's a zero in there, that, that is a lot. And so that, that, that just tells you that this is a profitable space if you're patient. So that first yeah. one, I didn't get any money back. We were in it for six years. Uh, but other ones like uh, my first general partnership uh, in in Beaumont, Texas, we had challenges and operating issues, et cetera. But we sold it 21 months in and doubled the investors' money. Mm. I was tickled pink.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Was how was how much was your first raise and and was it difficult or tell me about that?
1: Yeah, they're always difficult, right? And when you're <laughs> <No>. <laughs> So it's whether your first raise or your 10th raise. Um, but for us, I think, we, it was, I think we had to raise a million and a half bucks, a million three, a million and a half, someplace in that range. Um, I think the total deal was like six and a half million dollar buy at the time. We did something everybody told me not to deal. We bought 139 unit that had a flat roof and chiller boiler system. Oh, wow. Everybody said, don't do it. And they were right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I was anxious to do my first deal. We had all kinds of problems with that, but uh, and I won't, I won't go into that. But um, we'd raise—I think it was a million and a half bucks. I think I raised about six fifty at that time, and mm-hmm. it's just it, I, for me, capital raising is there's you know these all and I'm I'm looking at all the courses out there today and all the mentors and how tricks there is to raise money, but for me it's really just old fashioned grinding, calling mm-hmm. people, talking mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. Making appointments, getting connected with them however you can, staying connected with them however you can. And uh, it is time consuming, as you know. yes, it is time consuming. and um, but uh, done it four other times since then, and and I, I enjoy it. I like it. It's uh, uh, it's kind of where I focus a lot of my energies today. I focus my energies on you know raising capital, finding investors and finding deals. Mm-hmm. Kind of, Those are the two most important things we do today is finding deals, working with joint ventures, either on my own or with joint venture partners, and uh, finding investors. And You know, when you start to think about it, of your circle, your sphere of influence. So, uh, you know, I said, somebody coached me early on, your sphere of influence, Randy. So he said, draw a circle on a piece of paper, Okay. He so said, and then draw a little circle at the top. So that's that's where you work. All the people you employed with. Another small circle on the bigger circle is, you know, your friends and family. Another circle is the city of where you live. Uh, for me, it's another one is the Houston Medical Center. And you start thinking of all those connections you have. Uh, the other one is on LinkedIn, all the, you know, all the professional groups I'm affiliated with from my day job.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and you start to draw those little circles around the bigger circle, and you see the different areas of which you can mine potential investors from. And that's really what I've spent a lot of my time today.
0: Hmm.
1: So I live in, for example, I live in Missouri City.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So how can I pull down a list from people from Missouri City on LinkedIn or Facebook? Mm-hmm. I use LinkedIn, I'm focused on LinkedIn.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I pull down a list of uh, people with, that have a vp or senior vp title in there in their description it's kind of what i'm my theory is, and then try to mine make a connection with them and develop a relationship and, and so it's it doesn't just happen right in six days it's yeah. it's a long progression yeah it's a it's a, at least a six month nine month lead time for that to really come through to get on your mailing list and have have what you'd consider you know somebody they know, like, and trust. And those, those are just a couple of small examples, but
0: yeah. Yeah. So. I have a question about, um, <laughs> the roof. How did senior debt, uh, deal with you having a flat roof?
1: Well, I guess they didn't mind too much because that was part of our business plan was to replace a bunch of them. Okay. Uh, and you know, and they had the old, um, asphalt flat roofs which were they're prone to leak and they're prone to they're just mm-hmm. terrible and so we were going to put on the, the newer tpo roofs the white ones that reflect the sunlight and mm-hmm. you know much more energy efficient and so uh the reality is though even back then prices went up from the time we um from the time we closed to when we started to do it and we weren't able to do as many as we wanted to do and I got another story and we had a fire on that property as well. And so we were, we were uh, dealing with that as well and changing property management companies. And so mm. I tell people I got, Preston, I got my honorary PhD degree in, in property management on that deal, but uh, wow. from the school of hard knocks.
0: <laughs> Almost every, um, every podcast I, I hear the raise is difficult and I got thrown in the fire. Who was I speaking to last week? I was talking to Trevor, K. Trevor Thompson.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he
0: guy. says, uh, I got thrown in the deep end of the water, and then every time I asked for um, a life raft, they would throw another 25 pound at <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, he had he had an issue, too, where it was, he learned, you know, trial by fire, uh, learned a hard way, and you got thrown in it and had to sink or swim.
1: Well, and for me, it was a matter of, you know, failure wasn't an option. And I just, I just had investors, friends and family in a deal that I really wanted to be able to, I really wanted to be able to look at across the Thanksgiving table and yeah. not have them cursing me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that that was highly motivating me to me, put it that way. And we had okay. some help from the market too. So I, I didn't,
0: good.
1: yeah, yeah, we had some help from the market, so.
0: It's all good. If, uh so I'm what I'm taking is if you want to make sure your deal is successful, borrow, mo- borrow money from your mom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> She'll love you unconditionally. Right. Your dad love- won't your dad will whip you, but Okay,
0: so your dad, borrow, borrow money from your dad and your uh, your uh your uncle.
1: <laughs> find a f- find a rich relative. Find
0: a rich um, relative. So at the panel, um, you were speaking that you're getting into a deal now. Were you guys able to close on that deal?
1: Actually closed on two. So I was, you know, you talk about capital (laughs) raising. I was doing two capital raises simultaneously uh, in the last month.
0: How? Okay, go into that. How? Because a lot of people have difficulty doing one capital raise. So you were doing two.
1: I I was doing two simultaneously. And and so it's like you said, uh, and this was coming in. So I started one, uh, we ended up in the end of June, the other one ended up in the end of of July. And so um, the good of it was, is I was able to talk to investors and say, Hey, I have, you know, a that's this way. And so the the first product was uh, uh, Greenville, South Carolina, 132 units built in 1997. Beautiful asset, great Mm -hmm. market. It's part of a fund. A lot of people had a hard time getting used to a fund and then my, at least in my investor club, trying to Understand the implications of a fund, et cetera. Uh, and the second asset was in Tucson, Arizona. It was 199 units that was built in 1965, so it was an older asset, but had a lot, a lot of potential, and still does. Mm-hmm. And we're excited about them. So we actually closed on both of them. And just all I can say, the only way I did it was. You know, it's, it's typical tools. It's it's mass emailing. It's grinding. It's calling, mm-hmm. faxing. I mean, text texting, <laughs> making, making appointments. Um, I, I didn't raise as much as I thought I was going to raise, but that's okay. Uh, you know, we're still part of the deals and we're looking forward to it. And I, yeah. put a, I put a bunch of my own money into it. I always do that whenever I'm raising. I want to make sure that investors know I'm coming alongside of them. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Uh, And I, and I, when I'm an impressive investor, I always say, I ask the sponsor, are you, they always say they're putting their own money in, but I said, are you putting your own money in besides the acquisition fee? So Mm -hmm. a lot of sponsors will roll in their acquisition fee and they'll count that as that investment. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I, I want to see them have some of their own skin beyond that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so on both those deals, I always, I always put my own money in just to answer that question in the affirmative
0: so that's that's very honorable yeah
1: Yeah. and i I just uh it goes back to that i think the relationship i want to have with my investors and just show them that i'm i'm uh i'm eating what i'm I'm professor i'm i'm talking i'm investing in the same vein and and so um i think it's important uh sooner or later i might run out of money i probably will
0: uh oh but when uh, it comes back it's gonna come back
1: Yeah. (laughs) It will come back and and, and and at least then i'll say in july and august the hurdle for my investors was, was interest rates and uh then the the fund. some of them were just coming on and getting new, used to a fund concept and this was the first asset into a fund so um the other challenges and i think with money tightening uh the interest rate and stuff you know people are i just said people are skittish Investors are skittish to invest right now, mm-hmm. um, and, and again, that's where I come back to say, look, I on on the um, on the one product, I I broke my own. I told investors, I said, look, I kind of broke one of my own personal principles, which is I would never sign personally on a loan. And on the Tucson product, I signed personally on the loan, so
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, I'm I'm at risk. Uh, I'm in, I got skin in the game, as we say.
0: A lot of skin. A lot How big scan. is the, the Tucson property?
1: It's 199 units. Uh, it was a $37 million a $13 million um, raise.
0: Okay. $13 million, yeah.
1: So we had a pref player in there. And I think okay. we raised six, myself and my other partners.
0: Wow, that's a nice. So the rest was just from the one individual? Yeah. Was it a 1031?
1: uh i don't think so i think it was a foreign investor that mm. just came in a relationship that my partner had for a long period of time and uh wrote, you know you stroke the big check when you can write a seven million dollar check so
0: yeah 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 that's that's really nice that's really it nice. also
1: shows the commitment too right that somebody else thinks highly of your deal they're going to put that kind of money in it so mm-hmm. but, uh, it also helps selling the deal but so now we're, now that, you know, we thought the raise was difficult. Now the, now the fund begins, now we got to make them uh, work, right? It's the operational yeah. side of it. Uh, yeah. we we tend to be deal makers and we tend to be chasing the deals and raising money, but then the hard work comes of property management. So
0: uh-huh. uh,
1: in my mind, in the joint venture relationships I've entered uh, Presley, that's, that's kind of my key element and why I broke into these two is because my partners each had um, great, experience in those submarkets, And so you know, it wasn't the first time I was going, it was the first time Randy was going to that market, but I was partnering with somebody who had experience in those markets in both Greenville and Tucson. And mm-hmm. they had property management companies and they had uh, experience very close in the submarket, which I think goes a long way too, for passive investors to understand and ask the question, uh, who the property management company is? What's their experience? What's their relationship with you? You know, they may be a big name, but if you got a A-class property and they generally do C-class assets, you ought to yep. ask them questions, or vice versa. Maybe yep. they maybe they do uh, A-class and you got a C-class asset, but
0: because they they do not work well together. <laughs> no, and, you know, and
1: we, and we we buy these assets for millions of dollars. And you basically have a forty, fifty, maybe $60,000 a year employee that's running the show day to mm-hmm. day site, you know, a uh, property manager, on-site property manager. And that's not anything to say. You just got to help them out. You got to be there and give them the direction and the, and the business plan mm-hmm. and support and support with resources and support yep. with direction and um, make sure they know how much they're appreciated.
0: Yep. Because... We care just a little bit more than they do. <laughs> and we need to make sure we transfer that, that loving and care to them. So they care just as much as we do.
1: <laughs> and it's gotta be one of the most thankless jobs dealing with tenants. I did it once in my life. I, I had a duplex. I owned at one point in my career and it's gotta be a thankless job.
0: I grew up dealing with tenants. Did you? And collecting rent and section that? Yes. So, um, the world knows the story, whoever listens to the podcast, but my grandparents owned a a 13 unit and a 50 unit. Um, and my dad had, I really don't know what the number is. I know it was, it was decent, maybe 20 units, um, off and on. I, I remember we had an eight or a 10 unit at one time, um, but a lot of single families, uh, and flips and stuff like that. But yeah, we had, uh, a lot of A lot of times when we had uh, a lot of tenants in place, most, I think most of them, I think most of them were section eight. So, yeah, I I was there. um, So I learned I started working when I was about six or seven. So a lot of times my dad would just send me or we would pull up together because I wasn't driving yet, obviously. um, And he would just send me in there and tell me, okay, go replace the drywall and paint in such and such room. Or um, I remember when I was 16, my, my stepmom decided to take over the house next door to her mom, which they own, but they never renovated. And I replaced all the copper pipes in the entire house by myself at 16. Wow. Um, so, yeah. You're sweating I, I, joints I,
1: at 16. That's impressive. He,
0: well, I started when I was seven. So,
1: <laughs> so would, your, would your daddy send you up to the door? Uh, to collect the rent at seven realizing they'd never beat up a seven-year-old <laughs>
0: um no i gotta i'll go i will go with them um because it was in detroit oh my so, uh, yeah grown men would be sometimes scared scared to um scared to collect rent my uncle my uncle, uh, uncle actually got killed like that um he had a some kind of dispute with one of the tenants and the tenant came downstairs and shot him and that was all she wrote. Oh, so, my. Yeah, yep. So we we ended up getting rid of uh, that building. And then my dad took, that was the 50 unit. And then my dad took over the 13 unit for a while until it just became too much of a headache. And then kind of transitioned just into solely construction. But yes, long story short, I know the pains of collecting rent and changing toilets and water heaters and all the other uh, fun projects that come along with uh, rental properties.
1: I have experience doing that in my my own primary residences over the years, but I have uh, no desire to do it today.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely different. So you are very successful as uh, an investor and a syndicator, but you still work at your corporate job. So tell us tell us why so yeah i'm i'm
1: I'm in about uh, eleven 1, hundred doors today as a general partner and over the over the last eight years, I've been in a total of over four thousand as an LP uh, and and so why do I still work? Uh, I work my day job because I really can and I enjoy I still enjoy it. Uh, I don't know that I'm gonna do this forever, but I, I can and and I think real estate there's there's a real Difference of opinion, people say to really progress, you got to you gotta be full time. So my, my personal aspiration is not to be another Joe Fairless, and, and I really respect Joe. He's built a beautiful, beautiful company mm-hmm. uh, and highly profitable, and there's many others like Joe, but I, I don't really have the desire to be that big. Uh, I desire just to, if I can do a couple of deals a year and keep that going for multiple years, I'll be just fine. I don't want to have twenty employees. Uh, I've got a I've got a, a VA today and uh, two VAs. I'll say, well, you know, one doing administrative task and enough, another doing the first blush of underwriting for me. Uh, it's a University of Houston uh, grad student, and he does that. And so, that's about all I want, and I'm happy as a pig in mud. So,
0: a very simple life.
1: Uh, you know, I'm, I guess maybe it's cause some of that is age. I'm older too. So I don't, I don't really like, again, I'm just picking on Joe. There's many of them, Brad, Sumrocks and yeah. Rod Khalif and many of them that are just wildly successful. Mm-hmm. Got thousands of doors as a general partner.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: I'm just at my season of life. I, I just don't want to, uh, build that, that big company because I've done, I've done all the, uh, organizational and, and that's, that's just a whole new level. I've done that organizational and building and breaking down and tearing apart on on the corporate side, buying Mm -hmm. and buying and divesting and re-engineering. And um, you can you can have a a great lifestyle developing a passive income.
0: Mm -hmm. I have
1: a I have a very high net worth friend and I've gotten them in all five of my projects now. And so now I was telling him, I said, now now you can begin to see the advantage of having a, a small portfolio of this. And th- this is the guy that can he can buy most of the properties outright that I invest in, but he, he chooses not to because he doesn't want the headache. And mm-hmm. I, I've tried to tell him so I talked to a lot of investors today. I focus on the new people, trying to help them get started in the profession because so many people have built into me Presley. Mm-hmm. and the other ones I try to talk to is a lot of people that are, are seasoned in life executives that have uh, high paying jobs and I try to explain to them and help them understand the value of having real estate as a line item in your portfolio mm-hmm. um, and what the advantages of that so I said with my investment background I always talk about my current employer has a two billion dollar endowment portfolio wow. you know and it has and I know the uh, our chief investment officer really well. And we talked to him fairly frequently and talks about, you know, our asset allocation, which is what all people talk about in the finance world. What's your asset allocation? How many stocks, bonds, whatever. Mm-hmm. So my employer today actually has, over the last couple of years, called out real estate as a line item within the asset allocation. So there's stocks, bonds, alternative investments, and real estate. So, and we have anywhere from 8 to 12% of two billion dollars in real estate today. Wow. So that, in my corporate tenure, that's a big switch to have real estate called out as a line item on the asset allocation model. And I just think that's indicative to show really uh, the passive nature of it and the protection, the asset protection against it. Why do all the foreigners come to the U.S. and buy up our real estate? Because it's a safe investment for them. It's generally not gonna lose money over a period of time. High net worth people ought to have it, ought to think about it, having a line item beyond their primary residence. You know, by their primary, right. so I always tell people, yeah, you can go out and buy a REIT on the New York Stock Exchange, you know, a real estate investment trust, you can do that. But you're gonna pay a lot of fees and you're not gonna get the yeah. the real benefits of a private placement memorandum offering.
0: Yeah, and, and the ministry returns real return. much- oh, <laughs> quick. Yeah.
1: Much better returns, and you're gonna pay so, a lot less in overhead, too.
0: What is your what is your stopping point, and is the stopping point do you think is gonna be uh, for your your day job or for real estate?
1: no, it's it's certainly gonna be for my day job. Um, my my day job, uh, I'm reaching that tender age where I can probably do this anytime I want. So I don't know if it's uh, six weeks or six years, but it's probably closer to uh, years and early, uh, you know, single digit years. And it is uh, long run. I got, I tell people at work, I have more behind me than in front of me <laughs> because <laughs> I am I'm really enjoying the real estate and, mm-hmm. and that's, that's where I want to spend my time. So, uh, uh the next time uh, I get honked off or they get honked off at me, maybe it'll be a different story, but, uh, mm-hmm. right <laughs> now I'm just enjoying talking to guys like you in the evening, pressing coming to your meetup.
0: Yeah. And I appreciate it. Um, what has changed it, it 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 appears that for your your personal income um outside of the real estate investment that you've done pretty well. um, how has real estate investing changed that?
1: Well, it's put me in a different tax bracket. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
1: so it what it has allowed me to do, you know, for people starting out now, I say, everybody says, you know, I had, I had, I have a family, I still have a family, but uh, there's a lot of people that I, my wife was a, uh, we had a priority. My wife and I stayed home mom throughout our marriage, taking care of the family. And that's what we both agreed on. We wanted to do it. People want to go to work. That's great. But for us, so that put a different kind of um, responsibility on me as the primary income earner to, to make sure we had home base covered. And maybe that's, part of the reason i'm still doing it is cuz i i want that safety net but um, what it's afforded for me is i don't i don't now i don't take any money from my in day job to put into real estate that's it's a self feeding machine uh, that you know passive income gp income earned and i'm uh, just trying to really step up my game here uh, in the next 6 12 months I have a goal of trying to find, you know, doubling, if not tripling my investor database uh, of contacts. And so I'm very engaged in that. And I, you know, I've been doing this for eight years. I've hired a mentor, somebody to help me do that, meet that goal. Um, And I'm listening to every podcast, just like somebody else, (laughs) every meetup I can go to where it's not, you know, I want to go to meetups today that aren't real estate. Mm-hmm. I want to go to the financial advisor one or the CPA yep. ones or uh, lawyer ones or wherever I can find another meetup. And I want to be the only syndicator in the room.
0: We think so much alike.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I want to be the only syndicator in the room if I can, versus going to a place where I'm one of 20 syndicators.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, those and we are all go to more. the
0: same ones. <laughs>
1: yep. Yep. That's a very true statement. But breaking that, transitioning that is is a challenge.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it takes time. It's it's doable, but it just takes time, right? And so that's the other encouragement to your audience. It, you know, take the long view on everything. Whether you've been doing this for uh, six weeks or, or ten years, and you know you want to find the next fifty million dollar project or the first five million dollar project. Uh, there's this is a very uh, fragmented industry and there's always room for one more Mm -hmm. if you want to spend the time uh, educate yourself build networks as somebody told me who we both know is very successful they said randy we we don't do anything other than we just follow the rule book (laughs) what others have done before us Mm -hmm. educate ourselves you learn how to underwrite you start making you build your team find accountants i mean there." are lenders and brokers, uh, start getting your name out there, talking to friends and family. You know, that first time, I don't know if you remember the first time you talked to Presley, somebody about asking them to put $50,000 in a deal or whatever you were asking them to put in a deal.
0: Uh, a I'm kind of known for that in my family. <laughs> it's normally like, what do you want now?
1: <laughs> yeah, they see you coming now and say, "Let's let's sit at the other table.
0: Since I was 16, they saw me coming. But I I was born into an entrepreneur family, so it 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 came with the territory.
1: Yeah, but I'm betting I'm betting, and those conversations now that you've had success and you've had a track record, uh, come a whole lot easier. And yeah, and they're not, you know, they don't see Presley and and they don't see Randy as the snot nosed kid that he was when he was six years older. Yeah, or the rebellious teenager that I was, anyhow. I won't speak for you, but you know they they see you as a mature adult who's who's got our uh, got a drive and got a passion for something. And I think most people, I think most people respect that drive and the passion. Mm-hmm. They may not still want to write a check, but they respect it. And they, you know, over a period of time, uh, next time they have some money, they'll think about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Where do um, so as syndicators, we have different slots where. Um, our deals fall in. Sometimes it's using software. sometimes it's brokers. sometimes it's an actually good wholesaler who's actually doing the work and not Daisy chaining off a broker. Where do most of your good deals come from?
1: I would really say right now it's joint venture partners. Mm. it's 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 like the Tucson and the I had tried to get into Phoenix before the pandemic. I had gone over and talked to brokers and property managers and made several exploratory trips there. And I remember them basically just telling me, Randy, you know, you're from out of town. You don't own here in Phoenix, this area. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to overpay for your first couple of deals.
0: Oh, uh, wow.
1: I'm, I mean, to get one broker just flat out told me that. And I, I had been studying the, the Carolinas and the Southeast for mm-hmm. uh, several times. So mm-hmm. when, you know, I just, relationships that i had had with people. I just made it known that I wanted to, to joint venture or, or JV. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it, when you put your name out there, uh, you want to do funds. You probably went out and talked to a lot of people that had funds mm-hmm. and picked their brains. Mm-hmm. And, and then you become as smart as anybody else doing funds. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I became instantly, you know, reputable in the Carolinas, in the Southeast, and in, in the Phoenix market because now I own there. Somebody else found the deals, and I just came alongside and put up EMD money and KP money and et cetera, et cetera.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that I, I would say that's where I found my my recent success. But I, I will go back to uh, first of the year I'm going to start underwriting, uh, like if. Uh, like an idiot again and start uh, going after some, uh, I want to focus on Houston and, and San Antonio.
0: You're a brave man. <laughs> Houston, uh, which is still an amazing, uh, and un- it's, it's untapped, but it's not untapped. Everyone knows Houston is an amazing place and it has a lot of growth, uh, but I still like to consider it untapped because the values um overall are very, um, it um, must not be enough caffeine in this juice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, un, unrealized um, it, when when you compare it to um, Austin or you know parts of Dallas. Oh, um, I think Houston has a lot of growth potential still left. Um, but man, the cap rate compressions that we've had from what late two thousand nineteen to just recently—insane. It was crazy. And I, I, so I have a development now. Um, we have actually two developments that are, if I didn't want to be, not have sleep, I decided to do two developments. And we stopped focusing on trying to buy uh, stabilized because the cap, I was like, this property is not worth this. And after someone would do the deals, now we're seeing the deals fall apart or uh, being retraded or the the gambit of other issues that they're having because they're overpaying so yeah houston houston uh, san antonio i think is is a really good place to put down some roots um because it's it's a beautiful city and i think it's underpriced just like houston is if not more
1: yeah are you you building in houston then
0: Yep, north houston Mm -hmm.
1: and so i I need to pick your brain sometime off uh, off camera about that one i'd love to hear more about that one that's a uh And you're absolutely right. I mean, there's a lot of people that have been when you can develop something for, I don't know, what, what are you going to, what are you going to develop something for today? 150, 170 a door, and you got to pay, uh, you know, 130 or 140 for a class C property today. I get Mm it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's worth it to to just build new, if you can find the land and get it developed and stuff. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. different risk profile though, right on the build side.
0: Very risk profile and, uh, well, the overall, uh, no, cause it's we're we're probably looking 30 months overall to stabilization. Um, and then that's just getting a stable, that's just, you know, initial lease up and then that's not into the actual um, performing of the property. So the time frame is is way different um with developing and yeah, it's, it's getting the land at the right price in the right area and you know we're in texas so it's it's, it's always another open space next to it um but yeah it's a very very different risk profile because now you're dealing with land and land return and then you know the the property is a, a totally different separate entity so it's fun
1: <laughs> is it 30 months you're saying from shovel in the ground to lisa yeah.
0: Yeah, th- That's pretty quick, is, actually. Is, 36 is, is the, the average.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I, was, I, was, I would say I was thinking 30 months was pretty aggressive, but if you can do it, you can do it.
0: Yeah, it's 30, 30, 36 is the average, so we'll see.
1: Well, and that's a different investor profile, too. You got to have a lot more money up front to, uh, to buy the land, to make the improvements before you mm-hmm. put one shovel in the ground, uh, mm-hmm. unless it's already improved. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, but you get those development fees that can be very handsome
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yep that we were talking to uh one of our development partners um today about the development fees and uh yeah it's yeah we'll we'll talk we'll talk it's 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 an interesting um
1: I'm writing it down to follow up with you
0: it's it's slightly different than um stabilized you know we we know what stabilized looks like and we have a history for stabilized we don't necessarily have a history you know when you build so it's it's fun
1: <laughs> there you go
0: so so i'm assuming you have a different are,
1: team there you have a different team for development than you do stabilized uh yeah yeah
0: yeah actually yeah a t- not a, not a, to mention it uh, a totally different team Yeah, totally different team. Um, We have a lot of different teams because we have a a team for our Michigan development as well. And that team is totally different as well. So, yeah, it's 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 a process and it's it's always fun connecting personalities, you know, making sure everybody kind of vibes with each other. And
1: where are you building in in Michigan?
0: uh, Flint. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's that's a long story behind, <laughs> uh, and and I'm still uh fighting every every inch of the way. I'm like, come on, guys, Flint, but it's uh it's an amazing opportunity there, and we're we're being given uh, an opportunity to uh, rebuild and rebrand the city. Um, so we're we're really excited about this. Not it's not a lot of times where you get a city that's actually you know known before something bad you know because flint was a uh, sister city to detroit so it's not as popular as detroit but it's not you know a, a city just in the middle of oklahoma that nobody's ever heard of before but to get be given an opportunity to go and do some really great things um of a of a spot that is that big it's, it's exciting well congrats it's I, yeah, it's I look very forward scary.
1: to staying in touch me too now that goes
0: <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I want to know how it goes as well. So <laughs> you are, um, you're one of the most experienced investors. Um, uh, I've had maybe three that have experienced pre 2018. Um, are some, some words of wisdom, um, that you would like to give to, um, our current audience and our future, um, Okay. Podcast audience,
1: I think that's a. Uh, uh, I don't know what that makes me either uh, old or uh, naive or out something. But uh, <laughs> I-, I would say a couple things. Uh, you're in it for the long haul, right? These are these are long term investments, so get get used to that. I mean, you just mentioned there's 36 months from shoveling the ground to lease up. And so in between there's a whole lot of work, but the fruits of the labor are really going to be found 36 months in. So take the long view. Uh, the other thing I would say is be a lifelong learner, educate yourself. So, you know, I've been doing this for eight years. I'm, I'm still hiring a mentor to do capital raising and learn more about that. I, I think I have a salad on I've raised on five different deals, but I, I want to get better. And so, how can I get better? You, well, you hire somebody or you find somebody that's done it and you talk. And, and you, you know, you did the same thing on development. You start talking to people who have developed. So, being it for the long haul, educate yourself and uh, uh, persistence. Persistence. I mean, I was this first LP deal. I said it got a zero doubt, zero return after six years, but um, persistence. And I was. I was calling the sponsor in that deal. How can I help you, man? You need me to go out to the property? What can I do? Uh, can I go out and look at records for, you know, missed dealings or whatever as a finance guy? And, uh, you know, rather than be, I guess to summarize that, be an active passive investor. Mm. Ask questions. And uh, if the sponsors uh, don't be a nag and don't nickel and penny them, nickel and penny them to death, but uh, ask questions because most of them, don't mind as long as it's done in the right vein and and you know not in a timely fashion so um, persistence educate yourself and uh, uh, patience over the long haul
0: Hmm. true words of wisdom I would I would definitely say okay and I'm going to um unmute everyone and for my amazing people um Returning people, thank you. I love you guys. Um, Who has questions? We know how it go. Who has questions or comments for Randy?
2: How are you, Presley? How
0: are you? Thanks for coming back.
2: Yes, sure. Um, You always add value. We know that. Okay, just wanted to ask you, um, Randy, would he like be available if I ever want to ask him something? Is that the type of guy that would have time?
1: I don't know, Lori, you're asking uh, an, an off plot there. So uh, I'm <laughs> trying to make light of it. The, the short answer is, so I tell people, yes, there's been a lot of people that have built into my career, Lori. And, and I'm, I'm not, you know, I can't give you unlimited time. No, I' got a day no, job no, but not I'm,
0: no, not, of course not that's why I'm asking the
2: question because I wanted to know like five or ten minutes it's not for
0: right now, I'm not there sure, yet sure.
1: but look it's, it's 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 all about friends and teamwork, and so like I said, there's been so many people that have built into my real estate career that the the, the unequivocal answer is yes i'd I'd happy to talk to you right in, in yeah, my website so, yeah. okay. I appreciate
2: that, Randy. Thank you so much for your time today.
1: Sure. Just as long as you keep the questions simple.
0: Yep, I get it. <laughs> Any other questions or comments?
1: I couldn't have made it that
0: simple. There's got to be some questions here. Um, in the beginning, the first couple of weeks i would get a lot of questions for the um uh, the interviewee and then they kind of tapered off i don't know if all the questions got answered in the first couple months all right well i'm not going to post for me it's
2: more that i was late and so <laughs> i don't i don't want to ask a question it had like it it's already been addressed hi like, angel Hey, <laughs>
1: feel free angel uh feel free well, no, it's no.
2: more, um, so we've got, I guess we've got three or four LOIs out and I was just talking to someone that basically chastised me for, we are seriously considering bank debt and yes, it's recourse and we don't care. <laughs> and this, this person really came at me about it. Would you, or do you consider recourse debt when you're going after a property?
1: No. I would. I mentioned. I did mention earlier that I kind of broke one of my own principles in the last uh, in the, in the, in the recent acquisition. I did is I signed on a, on a note, uh, but that, that's just me, Angel. That doesn't mean it's it's it doesn't mean it's bad for you. I, I would say one of the reasons I got into it was because of the non-recourse aspect of multifamily. It's the reason I liked mm-hmm. it so much. And I said I kind of violated my own rule recently uh, of signing on alone and as recourse. Uh, and that's a, that was a big, bold step of mine, but uh, that that's my investment strategy. It doesn't mean it has to work for you and whoever chastise you. I, I would only, you know, we can't go into all the details, but just make sure you're informed, that you know, the risk, if you're willing to accept those risks, you know, I said, I don't know if you're on when I said my first general partnership, I, I, I did uh, against the advice of a really good mentor. Uh, it was a uh, 132 units with flat roof and chiller boiler system. And I remember the guy looking at me and said, Randy, don't do it. Don't do it. It's, you know, it's, it's a headache. It's not worth the re- blah, blah, blah. Well, we ended up doubling the investor's money after 20, 21 months. So uh, it was a lot of work. He was right. And recourse debt has a lot of risk. Uh, if you're comfortable with it. Uh, you, you'll you'll and you're willing to work it make sure it's successful
0: go for it angel how big is the um the debt is it is it that it's not large enough to be non-recourse
2: oh no it's one of them's like 20 million
0: hmm. I mean, what, no, it, multi- it's plenty
2: it's plenty big yeah and it's multi-family the issue is is that we're a um we're in a very small market and especially this far into the year, a lot of times the funds for very small markets are just gone and the bucket's empty.
0: Mm. Is it so, in your hometown?
2: Yeah, it's in my hometown. So, okay. so we're looking at probably something more along the lines of like 60, 65% LTV um, mm. just because of where it's located. But so if why, you go...
1: why does the lender have to, why is the lender requesting recourse? No, you're it's not, you're not going agency or?
2: So we chased agency on our last deal, and it it almost cost us the deal. Um, so we kind of vowed to never chase agency again.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: I don't know that that's the wisest choice. Um, but it was just really, really hard. and so my um my sister-in-law and her husband are expats, and with they're about to have triplets going into college. And so they need they need the DTI like. hit. And so they want recourse and they would be GPs in on the deal. So it's, it's one of those kind of things where we're just kind of, we can get better interest rates. Um, the terms aren't as great because it's a shorter term loan,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but it, there's it checks a lot of boxes for us. And for my sister-in-law and her husband,
1: is it a regional bank that's a lender?
2: I'm we're looking just at all bank debt. Okay. Um, So we've got a regional commercial guy that we could probably try and talk to, but we've already had to educate them on what a syndication even is.
1: Oh, wow. (laughs) Have you talked to a mortgage broker? I mean,
2: we have, we've, we've talked to a couple of different people that are, um, we've talked to like some people over at old capital. We've talked to some people with some of the other brokerages like Eastern and, so we've talked to people, um, what's that other one? Uh, I can't even think Scott Rosenstock. Meridian. (laughs) So I mean we've talked to several people. It's just that nobody really knows. It's hard to quote things in this current environment. And so really Mm -hmm. until we have the deal under contract, and really until we close, nobody can really give us any for sure.
1: Are you Texas based?
2: We are. Okay. We're in Wichita Falls, Texas. So we're at we're about maybe two hours to the left of the Dallas Fort Worth area.
1: Okay. So, and is this your first property or your 10th property or.
2: um We've been in residential 20 years, but nobody counts that. Um, <laughs> but this would be our, it would, it would be, depending on where the LOIs fall, it would be like our second or third deal.
1: Okay. You couldn't execute on all, or could you execute on all three of them if they all hit the LOIs hit?
2: We'd figure it out.
1: Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> no, <that's> okay. <laughs>
2: Um, we shouldn't have been able to close the first one. So now I, I feel pretty confident that we can make any kind of miracle happen.
0: Well, between your husband and your other friend, yeah, you got <laughs> So Angel, Randy, Angel actually drove all the way from Wichita Falls to uh she was the, the speaker um last month or this month. So nice.
1: Uh, I did see she's that. connected nice.
0: me. She connected me with a lot of people in like five minutes. So yeah, if anybody can get it done, Angel can. Angel, I think knows more people than anybody else I know. And Randy, you know, we're all super connectors. And so that's saying something.
1: Well, then I want to get to know Angel.
0: Definitely (laughs) want to get to know Angel. Angel knows everybody. Angel was, um, is friends with Joe. Fairless, nice. Well, he's he's our coach. Okay. Well, pay
2: for a friendship. <laughs> it's kind of like a fraternity or a sorority. I mean, it was like Go I ahead. was telling I was telling somebody today. We were on the phone, and he had just moved into Wichita Falls. He just moved here from DFW with a construction company, and he was like, "Well, I don't want to pay for friends." I'm like, "Well, you're not really paying for friends. What you're paying for is the circle and the connections to people that can actually help you get things done. You're not just paying for people that you wave to in the hallway. You're you're paying." For the know-how, the knowledge and the circle that comes with it. And it's people that can actually help you get things done. You can literally call on them and they'll,
1: they'll help they'll you prevent mistakes.
2: And yes. And they'll
1: take your phone call when you need a quick answer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like having to call or email somebody and wait a week to get a 15 minute appointment with them.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I
1: mean that, that that's why you do those things. You're right. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's, right. I mean, there's there's people that we would have had to work really, really hard to get a connection to. And by being in the coaching programs that we've been in, it, it just made it a whole lot easier. Mm-hmm. So big proponent of
0: coaching programs. <laughs> Thank you, Angel. You're welcome. And, there's, and
1: there's some good ones out there.
0: Absolutely. Anybody else have any questions for Randy before I let him go? Nope. All right. Well, I appreciate you, Randy. Um, yes, I will, um, I'll call you or shoot you uh, some messages tomorrow so we can uh, talk some more off air. Um, but I really appreciate you coming on, uh, and blessing me for the second time. Yeah. You, you did not disappoint, sir.
1: <laughs> well, personally, it's really been a privilege. I, I truly mean that I, I get the most out of, uh, helping, uh, as I said, to give back to what others have done into my life, my professional life. So, uh, to Lori and any of the other listeners, uh, you can find me on my uh, invest-arc.com and there's a Calendly there. Uh, contact me, let me know. Let's connect.
0: All right. Thank you, sir. I'll see everybody next Tuesday. All right. See everybody later. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye, Randy. Bye.